0: Hola, mi gente. Bienvenidos a una edición especial de Tigger Español Podcasts. Yo soy Cristian Vázquez. Este episodio es dedicado a todos aquellos que fueron impactados de una manera u otra aquel martes 11 de septiembre del 2001. A todos los bomberos, policías, enfermeros, primeros respondientes, trabajadores de torres, pasajeros y tripulación de los aviones, las familias de las víctimas y, más que nada, para la ciudad de Nueva York. Como sabrán, este 2021 se cumple ya 20 años de los ataques terroristas del 9-11, un ataque que no solo impactó las vidas de miles en este país, pero sino también cambió nuestra forma de vida a nivel internacional. Hoy estaremos hablando un poco sobre cómo surgieron los eventos de ese día oscuro. Platicaremos también con una graduada de Cal State Long Beach, quien ahora es auxiliar de vuelo para American Airlines. Nos contará cómo traspasó ese día cuando ella apenas era estudiante de preparatoria e historias que sus compañeras de trabajo le han contado sobre el 911. Antes de empezar, me gustaría dar un aviso de discreción a toda nuestra audiencia sobre el contenido de este episodio, ya que el contenido va a ser sensible y emocional. Gracias. El martes 11 de septiembre, la ciudad de Nueva York despertó con un clima perfecto, si se puede decir, cielo azul y claro, sin nubes, ni tan caliente ni tan frío. Muchos en camino al trabajo, dejando a sus hijos a la escuela y unos apenas empezando el día. Mientras tanto, en tres aeropuertos de la costa este, 19 hombres pasan tras seguridad y a las terminales de American Airlines y United Airlines. Boston, Massachusetts. En el aeropuerto internacional Logan, un grupo de cinco terroristas dirigido por Mohamed Atta abordan el vuelo 11 de American Airlines con destino a Los Ángeles. El vuelo despega a las 7.59 a.m. A la misma vez, otro grupo de cinco, este dirigido por Marwan al Shehi, abordan el vuelo 175 de United. Este despega a las 8.14 a.m. Dallas, Virginia. Cinco hombres entran al aeropuerto internacional Washington-Dulles y abordan American 77, con destino también a Los Ángeles. Este dirigido por Honey Hanjour. El vuelo despega a las 8.20. Newark, New Jersey. En el aeropuerto internacional de Newark, cuatro hombres pasan tras seguridad y entran al vuelo United 93. El líder de este grupo es Siha Jara, quien se despide de su esposa en una llamada telefónica antes de abordar. United 93 es retrasado debido a tráfico aéreo. Despega a las 8.42 am. Cuatro aviones despegados que nunca llegarán a sus destinos. A las 8.14 am, American 11 es secuestrado sobre el centro de Massachusetts. A las 8.42, United 175 es secuestrado al noreste de New Jersey. A las 8.50 am, secuestran American 77 al sur de Ohio. Nueva York. El reloj marca 8.46. Mohamed Atta vuela el American 11 siguiendo el río Hudson con vista al World Trade Center. American 11 choca con la torre norte de las Torres Gemelas entre los pisos 93 a 99. Inicialmente, muchos piensan que era un accidente. Bomberos y policías llenaron las áreas de World Trade Center Plaza. Apenas venía lo peor. A las 9.3 am, el United 175 choca con la torre sur entre los pisos 77 a 85. Antes de estrellar el avión con la torre, Marwan O'Shea, quien pilotó el avión, pone la nave en un ángulo. Florida A las 9.31 am, el presidente George W. Bush da un discurso a la nación donde llama lo ocurrido un aparente ataque a nuestro país. El presidente Bush se encontraba en una escuela de primaria en Sarasota, Florida, durante el inicio del día, Washington. A las 9.93 AM, Honey Hunter choca a American 77 en la fachada oeste del Pentágono, matando no solo a los 59 a bordo del avión, sino que además a otros 125 personas de militar y ciudadanos dentro del edificio. A las 9.42, la Agencia Federal Aeronávica pone la orden de aterrizar todas las aeronaves en todos los Estados Unidos. Nueva York, las 9.59 AM, la Torre Sur del World Trade Center ya no aguanta más y colapsa matando y atrapando a miles aún dentro. Pensilvania. Al oír de todas las naves secuestradas de amigos y familiares, los pasajeros a bordo United 93 deciden tomar acción y retomar posesión del avión. El grupo que incluían a Jeremy Glick, Todd Beamer y Mark Bingham luchan con todo contra los terroristas para retomar el avión. Zija Jarrah empezó a mover el avión errácticamente para parar a los pasajeros. A las 10 con 7 minutos, tras un fuerte enfrentamiento, Jarrah apunta la nariz del avión hacia el suelo. United 93 estalla en una área rural en Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Todos a bordo mueren. Los pasajeros y tripulantes de este vuelo siempre serán héroes y reconocidos por sus acciones, ya que gracias a ellos salvaron las vidas de miles. Según la comisión oficial de 911, se cree que la meta de los terroristas era chocar con el Capitolio en Washington DC, Nueva York, 1028 AM. La Torre Norte ya no aguanta más y colapsa. Y así, Lo que estuvo ahí ese amanecer del martes 11 de septiembre desapareció. Pero lo que nunca se desaparecerá serán los nombres de todos aquellos que perdieron la vida y de todos aquellos que arriesgaron sus vidas para salvar las vidas de los demás. De todos aquellos que se unieron para ser uno. Vamos a platicar ahora con una graduada de Cal State Long Beach que nos contará sobre su trabajo como auxiliar de vuelo y de todas las historias que ha escuchado de sus colegas sobre este día. Vale.
1: Olympia Graz. I am a CSULP alumni, graduated 2007 with a major in sociology. Right after I graduated, I was bartending, um, you know, doing the regular college thing, and one of my regulars was a flight attendant. He always came in with these great stories of his travels, and and so I was really envious of his life, so I asked him to get me into the industry. So I started off with a regional airline called SkyWest, and they basically do United Express, Delta Connection, uh, American Eagle, like transportation from major hubs to really small cities. I was with SkyWest for about two years, and eventually I made my way into basically the international division at American Airlines. I was regular doing like Honolulu routes, and then quite often uh, New York and Miami for domestic. I've been doing that for the past since 2013 and obviously uh, a lot of my colleagues have been involved with the whole September 11th thing which we just celebrated the 20th anniversary. A big part of our whole uh, trip system is being able to be flexible with your trips and I think that's why this interview is pretty relevant is because I know a lot of flight attendants who are actually supposed to be on the actual trips Going from JFK to LAX on the 767. And they eventually, like, traded out of their trips and, you know, feel somewhat of the guilt that they were supposed to be on that flight and made their way out of it.
0: Can you take us a a little bit, like, on a trip on being in the shoes of a flight attendant? What's it like being on a flight?
1: Okay, so, uh, you, you know, make your commute into... LAX, and then you sign in. You have an hour before departure to sign in. Uh, during that sign-in, you get your briefing about departure time, how many passengers are going to be on board. Uh, you meet your crew. Like Usually, you don't know who you're flying with, and it's, it's very much a whole introduction of yourself to the whole crew. Uh, sometimes you do fly with friends. Um, I would say about 60% of the times, you're, you're meeting brand-new faces. LAX is such a huge base. You sign in, and then you meet with the agents who are working the gate at the flight, and they give you all the vital information of uh, who's on the flight, what kind of special passengers you have, um, if there's any uh, what we call, quote-unquote, specials on board, like pets. We even have celebrities on board a lot of the times, any uh, uh, handicapped passengers that may need special assistance. And then we talk to the captain. We get our briefing, flight time, whether there's going to be any turbulence, what to expect during the flight, and about 35 minutes prior to the flight, that's when we start boarding. So that's basically what happens
0: an hour before our flight. And because of the events of 9 11, as a flight attendant, do you have any fears or worries that come to mind when you get called on duty? And how do you prepare yourself mentally uh, before a trip, especially being a mother and a wife?
1: Absolutely. Um, you know, every day to me is a blessing, and every time I leave the house, I always remember to uh, hug my husband and my kids extra tightly. You know, you, you never take a day for granted. You always, uh, it's not like it's like you're going to see them for the last time, but you you definitely have something in the back of your head. Something can always happen, you know, you never take anything for granted. You know, there, there's so much things that happen, I mean, especially lately, that, it's unprecedented when, when it happens in flight and you, you don't know how, I mean you're trained to deal with things but you, you don't know how you're gonna actually react when it comes down to it. So like 99.999% of the time, everything happens according to plan but but I would say 99% of your training prepares you for that .1 time that that may or may not happen.
0: Do you remember where you were on September eleventh, two thousand one? And what was going through I
1: do. your mind? Yeah. Um, I was a sophomore in high school and um since we're three hours behind New York, um, I remember sitting in my homeroom class and and our teacher just like wheeling in this is when televisions <laughs> box televisions were on wheels and they wheeled in the T V and it was just like constant replay of, you know, this Boeing, just flying straight into the twin towers. And I have a sister in New York. So I remember, I mean, I didn't even have access to cell phones at the time. But I remember like constantly thinking about my sister, like, I hope she's okay. I know she's like, probably not near that tower. But I mean, I was still, like, very concerned about her and thinking about any way that I could get a hold of a phone and try to get a hold of her to see if she's okay. I wasn't able to do that. My school specifically, I don't know if this was, like, all of the schools, like, nationwide, but since it was, like, considered a national security threat threat like we weren't allowed to leave the school campus like we weren't allowed to do anything we were pretty much like stuck in that class just rewatching watching this video and and I don't even know if our parents were informed about it like none of us had access to any communication outside of the classroom so we we basically just stayed there and that's what happened on 9-11. I do think we're like let out a little bit early out of school but I mean that's that's all I remember from
0: that did your uh did you end up making uh, contact with your sister?
1: I didn't no, like phone lines were dead like i I remember like finally remember getting uh, a dial tone for her, like a ring tone to her and and nobody answered and I mean this was before email before text before any of that um, was existing to me as a tenth grader in two thousand or nineteen ninety nine or 2001, sorry. <laughs> um, so I remember just that being constantly in the back of my head. I didn't, I didn't get a hold of her till like maybe like four days later. But she was okay. Yeah, she was okay. I knew in the back of my head she would be okay because she didn't work anywhere near the, the towers, but it, would, it was still like obviously a legitimate concern of mine being that she lived in New York.
0: Right. What are some stories that you've heard from uh, your colleagues at American?
1: Oh, the ones that um, like I said earlier, um, like our whole schedule is based on flexibility and being able to swap trips out, and and I just I could just hear the guilt in some of my colleagues' voices about like them holding that trip and them swapping out of them and they're supposed to be on that trip but they didn't or you know somebody called out sick for that trip and there's also a lot of flight attendants like obviously while that whole devastating event was happening like people were notified mid-flight layover wherever they were and they were just grounded you know, there's flight attendants that I know that that I mean will be doing what is called just a turn where you fly from your base to maybe Dallas and back for the day, and you're supposed to be gone for only a day, and and they're like legitimately packed for like a five day trip, and and you know I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, like why are you packed for you know five days? And and they'll say, you know, I was stuck. On 9-11, I was, I was stuck away from home for a week, and I, I literally had just the clothes on my back. And so now I learned a lesson that anything ha- can happen when you're away and to always, repeat, always be prepared for the worst, basically. Right. Better for them to be prepared, and, and I, I've kind of took that lesson along with me as it overpacked just a little bit more than it
0: should. And uh, as a flight attendant, how do you feel about the way that the attendants from those hijacked aircraft handled the situation on that day?
1: I mean, they're heroes. They're heroes. I mean, they used every source available to them to let anybody and everybody know what was going on. They were such quick thinking and and... I always tell everybody I know, I'm like, flight attendants are the MacGyvers of the airplane. They could really make everything out of nothing. They are so quick on their feet. And, you know, Betty Ong from San Francisco, the way she managed to call and alert, you know, the people who should know that there are hijackers on the plane. I mean, it's it's just really a, a heroic event that happened there.
0: How do you think especially in the in the time that we're living now with uh you know social media technology how do you think that would have impacted um the events of 9/11 I mean maybe we would have been able to
1: alert people a little bit earlier I mean I mean there's a whole process that takes place just because of 9/11 there's like procedures and I mean TSA is there just because of 9/11 I mean we'd like to think that like they'd never have been able to gotten through, right? Right. Before 9-11, if they were there. So there's, like, so many factors, and and you can't, like, what if in your head. I mean, I think the only thing is that, like, maybe they would have been able to alert people sooner, but, I mean, without the, like, security placements that they have in place now, I don't think that would have been able to happen, what happened on September 11th. Right.
0: Well thank you very much Olympia for being with us today, sharing a little bit of your story and your perspective as a flight attendant and for all the work that you do, thank you.
1: It's my pleasure, thank you for having me.
0: Nuevamente gracias a la señorita Olympia de Cross por compartir con nosotros sus experiencias. Tras 20 años, la vida como la conocemos ha cambiado. Ya no es lo mismo cuando uno va al aeropuerto o a un monumento histórico. Los hechos de aquel día estarán tatuados en la ciudad de Nueva York y en toda la nación, y en los corazones de todas las familias de los afectados. Tal vez ese día caerán torres, aviones y vidas, pero lo que sigue en alto es el alma y la humanidad de todos aquellos que se unieron juntos para luchar y sobrevivir. Gracias a todos por haber estado hoy con nosotros en este episodio especial en Digging Español Podcast. Yo soy Cristian Vázquez. Hasta pronto.